Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Mike Peck, and we're going to talk about creating a DAO and the fundamental building blocks. If you've been hearing the words decentralized, autonomous organization, and you're thinking I might want to start a DAO, but I really don't understand what goes into it, we're going to dive really deep in today's conversation about all the layers that you need to think about in order to start a DAO with someone who has successfully done it. I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Mike Peck. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Mike Peck. If you don't know who Mike is, he's the co-founder of the Ed3DAO, an organization that helps educate the world about the benefits of Web3. He's also the co-founder of the Ed3Unconference, and his organization helps train and certify people on Web3 concepts. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to our conversation today. I'm super excited to have you. I think you're the only other Mike, now that I think about it, that I've had on the show. Beyond that, we're going to explore how to develop a thriving DAO, and I'm really excited to tap into your knowledge base having developed a DAO. But before we do, I'd love to hear your story. Like, How'd you get into DAOs and Web3? Start wherever you want to start. It's a great question, and I think it's a really good idea to always come back to that story as you kind of progress through whatever career journey you have, because I think understanding where you've come from helps you understand where you want to go. And so, yeah, my background, I guess my traditional job 
is uh, right now I serve as a director of technology for a public school. And so I've been in the teaching profession now for 15 years in different roles, starting in the classroom and then making my way into some leadership roles. And one of the things that I think in this particular role was I spent a lot of time trying to understand how we can develop better systems for learning that don't really focus so much on the system, but rather the person. And that journey led me through a bunch of academic courses. I, I went through my doctoral program. And in that process, I studied schools that were, were leading in a different uh, way. They were leading towards the learners. The systems were being built around the needs of the individual as opposed to the needs of the system. And these leaders were expressing different values. They're expressing different leadership habits. And it was through that process that I, I came to understand how important learning in a community is. And so many times when I had conversations with these school leaders, they talked about the importance of the network in supporting the needs of the learner. That journey kind of happened up until about 2020. Um, prior to that, I started investing in crypto in 2017. So I understood crypto back then. I started investing a little bit, kind of exited the space during the last bear market. But around the same time that I finished my studies, the next bull market started coming around and I had all this free time to start exploring again. And I was always fascinated by the idea of using technology to enhance human coordination and uh, started to see how NFTs, how tokens were being used in, in different ways, not just for investment, but in DAOs. I started contributing to a couple of DAOs, one more in particular. Shout out to Bankless and, and their community. It's, it was a wonderful place for me to learn a little bit about what it means to contribute to a DAO, how DAOs operate, that kind of thing. And so that was sort of happening in parallel to the final phases of my studies. And the thing that really triggered in my mind, the convergence of the two was one of the things that is often talked about in Bankless podcast series is the idea of DeFi being money Legos. The idea of Legos always really appealed to me, having been a kid growing up playing with them all the time and thinking about how you know education could be, if we talk about building out networks for education, we could talk about learning Legos. Like how do we build these learning Lego systems that allow people to put the Legos together that, that makes sense to them in their own pathways? And so my journey was sort of the convergence of my passions in, in crypto and Web3 and then DAOs and NFTs, sort of converging them with education, which was happening sort of like in this own track. So it was through those two experiences that I began to see sort of the power that, that this new technology could, could bring to education. And being in a role where my job is to be thinking about how technology can enhance teaching and learning, it was something that I wanted to explore. And having grown up through the, the emergence of social media, I graduated college in 2008. So right around the time Facebook started to become sort of a mainstream product and platform, I saw how in schools, we, we largely did not acknowledge the changes that were occurring in the internet and social media and how they would eventually come to impact, you know, teaching and learning. And so in that case, technology kind of happened to schools. And so seeing how all this, you know, stuff is happening in the internet now with Web3, I felt it kind of imperative to begin to explore this next generation of the web and to try and understand how, how we can take steps now to be prepared for it. And so that led to the culmination of, of meeting with some folks who, who have some similar interests in, in Web3 space and uh, also have, you know, the same vision and, and now mission. 
And that is to bring Web3 to schools so that our kids can be prepared for the future of what's to come with technology and the internet. So when did you actually decide you were going to start a DAO? How long ago was that? And just tell us a little bit about that journey and kind of bring us up to the present of what you're doing with the DAO. Yeah, sure. So there was three of us originally who who founded the DAO and we kind of became connected through Twitter. Actually, there was a couple of Twitter posts that were going out with one of my co-founders, Reedy, had put out in a tweet. She was interested in learning about DAOs and, and we had some uh, interesting conversations about that. Prior to that, she was hosting some learning sessions with her company, K20 Educators, that she started about blockchain technology and crypto and education. So this would have been in the, the summer of, uh, I guess, 21 and, and fall of 21. So we, we started to converge in Twitter, really, is where it all began. Vridi knew uh, Michael Cohen, who's been in education for a long time in various different roles. He's been a thought leader as well going into this kind of new era of NFTs. So together we met in November of 21 and uh, started to think about what we wanted to do to help prepare future learners for this space. And uh, we decided to launch a DAO. And what we did was, is we pulled together 100 people. We invited about 100 people or so who were our closest colleagues, friends in the education space, in the Web3 space, invited them to a Discord community, which we opened on January 1. And that was kind of the start of things. And from January 1 to now, we've we've done quite a bit. And uh, what we've also learned, though, is that we have a lot to do to really fulfill our mission and vision. Well, what I love about your story is, first of all, you've got this background. You sounds like you got your PhD in what? educational leadership or something. Yeah. And you, you work still in the schools right now, obviously this is what's great about DAOs is that people can be participating or even founding DAOs without having to like give up their profession. Right. But I would imagine what I'm excited about is the future. You know, the future is that your DAO and other DAOs could be legitimate organizations that employ people full time. And I'm sure that's ultimately where this is going to go. And that's, what's so exciting about this new frontier. There are a lot of people listening right now that may not even understand what a DAO is, decentralized autonomous organization. Maybe they've heard me talk about it a couple of times and they're, maybe they've heard Bankless about the Bankless DAO or maybe they've heard about Decentraland having a DAO, but they don't really understand why should this be a way of structuring an entity? Like why did you consider starting a DAO and why should others maybe consider starting a DAO? What's the benefits? So yeah, when we talked about starting a DAO, one of the things that we felt was really important was to begin to explore new models for coordination. Schools have been built on pretty strict hierarchies since really the 1900s. Our current education models are rooted way, way back in the 1900s where it was more about compliance than it was about collaboration or creativity. And so when we started thinking about the organization, you know, you need to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk. And so when we started thinking about organizational structure, we wanted to create a space where people could be contributors and owners to the organization. It's not a situation where, you know, I have all the answers or one of the other co-founders has all the answers. Really, it's about our shared experience and all the expertise that we can bring together in order to bring education into this, this new world. We wanted to create an organization that that's a lot flatter. And so when you're talking about a, a DAO, I think a pretty easy analogy is a co-op. People are familiar with co-ops where You know, different people will get together as a group with common interests, with common values, 
And what they'll do is they'll work together and contribute what they can to a common vision. And that's pretty similar to what we're talking about here in DAOs. And I think largely it's a big challenge in the space is that the acronyms, the terminology sort of get in the way of like what at the heart of these things they really are. And so when we're talking about DAOs, like a helpful mental model for it is is a co-op that shares a bank account is like the simplest terms what it is. We really wanted to have an organization that was flat and that people could be a part of that they can contribute to when they can, what they can, and that not only that they can contribute, but they also can be shown value for what they give. I think oftentimes educators, they, they work a job and, you know, you have the job that's on paper and that paper job, you know, takes, it's supposed to take you eight hours, nine hours a day or whatever. But oftentimes educators are going home at night. They're spending three hours, four hours grading papers, writing to parents, planning lessons, that kind of thing. And so we wanted to create an organization that could honor the value and the contributions of the individual, you know, not tell them that, you know, they have to do X, Y, and Z and and not get paid for it. You know, we have a community who's really passionate about um, doing what's best for kids. And that's why we wanted to bring this community together, not only to do that, but also to then provide value to those who are giving it. You know, there's definitely an element of a democracy. I think that's, that's really important in DAOs. I also think, too, another key is value alignments. Um, in education, um, you know, we, we oftentimes are pulled in different directions because we have certain things, incentives like meeting test mandates and test scores or meeting certain criteria for, you know, certain contents or curriculum. One of the things that that we also felt really strongly about, too, is that the people who are joining us have, you know, they're really interested in, again, doing what's best for kids and figuring out how this technology can work for the better. And so we wanted to bring people together so that they could have a say in where the organization goes around the same core values. You know, we're all showing up for the same reasons. So let's give people a voice in that, too. And so I think really having um, a voice you know, being democratic, um, being flat in nature, so not top down, but rather bottom up, I think are some of the reasons why we chose to go the direction of, of starting a DAO. As you were studying your PhD, did the concepts of a DAO seem very foreign to what you were learning in your PhD program, or did you find some parallels? Because traditional organizational structures are not organized this way at all, unless you're talking about shareholders. And even then, it's like, yeah, it, it didn't strike me initially. But when I started thinking about this idea of Legos is really where it started to kind of click for me. When we talk about like some of the, the schools that I studied, they were sort of built into the community. The community was, was inside the school. They were out in the community. And so the responsibility of education wasn't just under the purview of the school and the specific teachers that child was, was taking courses with. It was the job of all of the educators in the school to help all the kids. And furthermore, they really encouraged a lot of community uh, collaboration coming into schools and also our kids, their kids going out into the community and doing things there too. So it was very clear that some of these schools, the way that they cracked the code was by building networks. And so they're sort of taking away like the command structure that we see most common in schools and they're decentralizing it amongst the community. Fascinating. That was sort of like the light bulb for me was to, to kind of make that connection where these schools figured it out because they built networks. And that's what 
you know, this space is all about is networks. I really, really, really like a lot of what you're talking about. And especially even for people listening that aren't in the educational space, probably everyone listening has gone to school and they know the structure. Sometimes it can be like the military. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got the headmaster, you got the principal, you know, and you got all these different people. You know, if you're at universities, you've got police departments and all that kind of stuff on campus. And it's like, you know, it's all about following the rules and structure. And I like the idea of a flat organization. And I, and it's interesting to see that some of the most creative new schools or schools that are really thriving are embracing a lot of the principles that are at the, at the foundation, if you will, of Web3, which is things like collaboration, things like contribution, things like rewards, right? Um, in this particular case, which I don't even know, I would imagine these schools offer what limited rewards they can, but you can actually offer real monetary rewards in the case of bounties when it comes to DAOs, right? So it's really, really interesting. So let's talk about like, if someone were to actually start a DAO, cause you're what, barely a year into your DAO, right? I mean, like not even a year as of this recording. So one of the first things that I would think about if I wanted to start a DAO is how do I even get people into the DAO? And how do I grow the DAO and how do I get people who are part of the DAO to somehow feel like they're part of the DAO? So what can you talk a little bit about, about growing and embracing uh, members of the DAO? I think it begins with answering the question of why. Why is it that you're building a community? What's the point of it? That has to be very, very clear because when we're talking about bringing people into the community, the idea that someone joins my community, it, like they need to understand why they're joining my community. And I think when you have like a really compelling why, um, it does make attracting people a lot easier. And so, um, you know, that's part of it. And so that's the first place to start is, you know, why is it that we're bringing this community together? What was your why? My why was was establishing, you know, a place where people could come to learn about Web3, in particular educators. So really, we're focused on kind of serving as a launch pad for educators into the Web3 space. And I see that serving two different ways. The first is by getting educators into this space, they can be really, really valuable contributors to Web3. Having spent enough time around like Discord communities, NFT projects, following and chasing all sorts of like DeFi protocols, like what became very clear to me through the bull market is there was a lot of froth there and like that had to kind of like clear out. And even the good stuff was confusing as heck, right? I mean, like you need clear communicators, right? Yeah, like Web3 has a really, really bad UI UX problem so far. And I think part of what will help smooth that out is the ability for educators to get involved and to be able to help communicate really complex things to people in terms they can understand. So educators can serve a really valuable role in Web3. And that's just one of the ways is like writing content. So like as instructional designers, the other thing too is like educators their job is to build a community in their classroom, in their school. That's what we're talking about here is we're talking about building communities and educators are really good at that. They have a lot of skills that are really valuable in that scene. So, so not only does giving them the skills they need to understand how Web3 works, give them an opportunity to get into the space and be valuable contributors, not just to the space, but also in their own, in their own way, like they can, you know, actually earn for that too. But then, you know, when they go back to their classrooms, having the skills and the understandings necessary to teach Web3, I think is really critical. We could have pursued, you know, getting curriculum in front of kids by developing curriculum that we sell to schools to teach kids. But like that scales much slower. You know, what scales quickly is a teacher who teaches 100 kids 
but can teach them about like financial literacy through the lens of DeFi. That's kind of our why is to be that launch pad. So bringing educators into the space and then giving them the opportunity to give back to the space as well. So in addition to understanding your why and clearly communicating it, and you've got a pretty compelling why, how else do you grow your members and kind of nurture them along, if you will? Like a why is really, really important. And I think you have to believe it too. Like you have to be real and authentic. There was a lot of, and I think, unfortunately, kind of the narrative has been written for a lot of us on the space. You know, there was all the talk of scams and rug pulls and, you know, all the bad stuff that's happened sort of has overshadowed like the potential that exists for some really awesome technology to solve some really, really big problems. And so I think being authentic to your mission is is really critical and showing up each day for that is really, really important. And, you know, once you get beyond like the the you part, like understanding why you're doing this and, and being real about it, some of the things that we've taken to help grow our community are just providing value for community members. So in our case, like our, uh, one of our big value propositions is like providing education. And so we've been doing um, education events for not just our community members, but also for those outside of it who are just kind of like curious about what Web3 is about, who want to learn more. So again, providing value is key. The other thing I would say too is, you know, having a space that like aligns to what you're hoping to achieve. Like right now, our Discord community, we're going to kind of carry it through some some evolution here, some changes in the next couple of weeks or so, because our community has grown and our needs have changed. And so having like a very clear space for people to engage with is really, really important. Uh, Whether you choose Discord or some other platform is up to you. But I think you want to be really, really intentional about kind of the space that you lay out for people to engage. You also mentioned in our pre-call these uh, live onboardings. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And so that's a, it's a perfect lead in because I think one of the things that is really, really helpful is, you know, as, as a person who's creating this community, creating this space for people, like I have my own vision of why we're doing this work, but the reality is people are going to come to us with different backgrounds, perspectives, you know, their own angles. And so one of the things that we went through was the visioning process, uh, what we call the user journey where we designed what we thought were different pathways for why people might engage with our community. And so a big shout out to a couple of people in our community, Maria and Dagan, were just super helpful. I think Jesse was on one of our calls as well. But you know, we spent a significant amount of time trying to figure out, you know, for what reasons would someone come into our community? And then once we kind of went through all the reasons we could think of, whether it was investing or just purely out of you know curiosity or passion for education, whatever the case might be, we began to think about how we plan out our spaces and how we can plan events to help people engage with our community in the way that best suits their needs. When you say spaces, do you mean Twitter spaces or do you mean something else? It could be any of our spaces. So like we we use Twitter spaces from time to time. For the most part, Discord is where a lot of our, our activity is. Got it. So plan out your activities in order to help the various people that are on the various different journeys. Is that what I'm hearing you say? So can you give an example of what that might look like? Like, let's say, for example, someone comes in and they're brand new to all of this. Now, having been in Web3, I became familiar with Discord about a year ago at this point. But it's a very overwhelming thing. Like, figuring out how it all works, it, it can be very, very challenging. So, like, when we were going through this visioning process and, and walking through a user journey, 
one of the things we thought about is, okay, well, what if I'm an, an educator who doesn't know a lot about the space and they enter our Discord and there's just channels everywhere? Like, it's really hard to, to jump in to something like that. Most people will look at that and go, eh, I'm not interested, I'm going to step away. So what we did was we created some different pathways for people to enter our community based upon their readiness level. We've also provided like some specific resources for those who are, again, just entering the space to enter into Web3 in kind of a safe way with a little bit of you know support from resources we've gathered. We created a 30-day challenge, which is sort of this experience that people walk through week by week. They learn about NFTs, they learn about how to create a wallet, they learn about crypto, you know, at a very surface level, but it gives them the opportunity to say like, hey, I'm just getting into the, you know, the scene a little bit. Rather than jumping in the deep end, I just want to kind of tiptoe in the shallow end here. Just out of curiosity, I guess I should have asked this question earlier. How do you actually get people there in the first place? Are you encouraging the members to spread the word? Yeah. So as far as like attracting attention to the community, our education events, I think are an important part of that. But I think the best way to grow the community is, is coming back to what I was talking about before about being authentic. You know, when people come into our community and they're welcomed and we have inviting spaces and we support people in their learning journeys, our community is our greatest marketing machine. Really, they are the people who bring people into our community. It's word of mouth then, it sounds like, right? That is a big part of it. I think we're, we're starting to gain some traction just from a branding perspective because of like the events that we're doing with the Unconference, with offering micro-credential courses, with doing our free events too as well. So it's kind of a multifaceted approach in our case. And a lot of it was just sort of experimental, like figuring out what worked and what didn't. The, the recipe is, is not clear. Yet, I think for, for most people, it's it's a matter of trying things and understanding the needs of your community. So how many people are uh, part of your DAO right now? So we have um, a Discord community of about 1,200 people. Okay. Sort of, we have this, the, the spaces, are, again, are going through some renovation. So what we've been doing over the last couple of months is having onboarding sessions where people who are in sort of our Discord community at large are able to come to these onboarding sessions and not only see some like asynchronous resources, which help them understand more about the DAO, you know, stuff like our white paper, like how we, how we organize our work, where people can access documents is really critical. The one thing that I think is just essential for any DAO is that you're going to attract people from literally all over the world. And there's oftentimes no time where you can meet synchronously, especially if you're doing this as like a side hustle or just a kind of a passion project. Yeah, all the different time zones, right? Yeah, being very meticulous about how you document things is is really, really important. And not only that, but having them in a place where it's very accessible so that people can get to it when they need to get to it and they can onboard and offboard very, very quickly. The more like nuanced and complex it is in terms of your organization, like your knowledge management, the more difficult it is for people to engage. It's a matter of like curating your knowledge and also the spaces which people engage in to make sure that the experience is as frictionless as possible. Your DAO and your Discord, is it free to join the Discord, but it costs to join the DAO? And how does Bankless do this as well? Like, do you have to buy a token or an NFT in order to actually be an actual voting member in the DAO? Yeah, so 
I think what's really important to be clear about is like we're, where we're at in our journey towards becoming fully decentralized is we're kind of in process. So we have a community where a lot of like the core, like our core team, we have a, myself and co-founders. And then we also have a few people who have been with us sort of since the beginning, have been just supporting our work along the way, kind of our bit of a core team. We've been working on this and together making a lot of the decisions for a lot of the things that are going on. But what's really exciting is that as we've attracted more people, not just numbers of people, but people who are really interested in helping move this work forward, is that we're moving towards more decentralization. So in our case, you know, we're actually going to go through in the next few weeks here a round of like, it's kind of like a listening tour. We're, we're doing a round of community conversations where we're going to be hashing out. There's some of the answers to those questions you just asked. Our Discord's free, but with the, with the DAO, our intention is to institute a governance model where we either use some sort of NFT or a token to on-chain voting. At this point, we're using, and that's a, a really important point too, is that starting a DAO doesn't require you to like, have a million different tools. In fact, simplicity is better. So we've actually just had voting occur in Discord using bots for the um, basically 10 months that we've been in existence. Is that how Bankless did it as well? Or did you have to actually own some of their token or something like that? They use what's called Snapshot, which is on-chain voting. And so for that, it is the bank token that's used as the governance tool, essentially. Like the more tokens you have, the bigger your vote counts. So you can vote with as little as one bank token. You can vote with a million. It just depends upon, you know, or the weight of your vote just depends upon how many tokens you have. This is really an important distinction because I love the fact that you are essentially moving towards decentralization. Right now, you're a community that is operating with the objective of becoming a full decentralized DAO, but you're not really decentralized fully. And I think that's really cool. You know what I mean? Like, because it is scary to just instantly become a DAO and then all of a sudden understand all the tokenomics and all that craziness. One of the questions I've got is about collaboration and community development. You might have mentioned it a little bit, but this is clearly part of what your background story is, right? Which is with the school systems, it's all about collaboration and getting involved with the community. How do you do collaboration and community nurturing and development, if you will, inside your DAO? And what tips do you have for others who might want to consider doing it? So as far as like the collaboration, I think it's a really challenging one. Like I said, a lot of it has to do with having a very clear structures for content management because people can like onboard and offboard whenever they want. You need to be able to have the right information available to the right people at the right time. And so in terms of sort of reducing friction around collaboration, that's a really important part of it. The other part is, so I joined Bankless DAO. I started contributing in like June of 2021. So I was there not super long after it started. And it was very challenging to like figure out how to find information, like where to go, when meetings were held, that kind of thing. So having very like clear lines of communication, I think are also really, really important. Are you using something outside of Discord for that? Because Discord is not very good for communications, obviously. You know, are you using like email lists or are you using some of the third party tools that allow you to communicate with your members? Because, you know, out of sight, out of mind is how Discord operates, right? Yeah, the majority of our communication for our DAO community exists in Discord. So we have a lot of communication that goes out through, uh, in particular, Twitter. 
but it's not so much DAO related. Like we will announce events and that kind of thing. But generally, most of our DAO related communication takes place inside of Discord. We are going to be putting together a monthly newsletter, either a monthly or bi-monthly newsletter for our DAO members, which we'll use on email list. Because to your point, like some people, you know, get super busy and they have to step away. And like going out of Discord for two weeks is like leaving it for two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I can't believe that I haven't developed a better communication layer inside of Discord. I mean, you would think that there'd be some third-party tools for this, but, and there probably are some communication tools. I interviewed the founder of a GM.xyz, which is kind of like an alternative, if you will, to a little bit like Facebook groups or Reddit meets Discord. But this is the big challenge, obviously, is communicating because if if you have members of your Discord that are like me that belong to 30 different discords, right? Because I own all these different NFTs, it could very easily miss important notifications. So the fact is that it's true today, Discord is the main communication channel. So how do you use Discord to actually collaborate on projects? Is it mostly just announcements and messages back and forth in a linear kind of fashion? Or is there a better way to do it? That's one of the other big community questions we have to answer. So like we're, we're diving into some like really deep waters talking about governance. One of our big conversations is going to be about our community. So like how do we better design our learning spaces or our spaces in general to allow for people to come in, you know, who might be curious and just want to learn a little bit. And for those who are there, like heads down working, like how do we blend that together in one space? And so we're, we're going to be playing around with that some, but we, we've, we've used a lot of like automation and role setting using bots to like help people sort of like curate the experience they want in Discord. So for example, like if you're really interested in, in a specific area, like say marketing, maybe you have a marketing background, you feel like you can contribute there. Um, we've used uh, a bots to help people pick out like uh, hey, I want to be in marketing. So they click on the marketing role and that gives them a set of channels that associate with marketing. Now we're kind of rethinking how we organize our people together. So like, can we coordinate better around perhaps doing projects instead of like sort of like buckets like marketing and tech and product? So we're, we're going through a process of sort of rethinking of how we organize those spaces. I think a general trend that I've seen in the DAO space is moving more towards like projects where DAOs are, are finding it the best way to coordinate is with like a specific project. So, you know, you want to launch, let's say uh, a podcast, you know, what kind of people do you need to bring together to do that? Well, you need people for marketing, you need people for tech, you need people for to actually be on screen and, and hosting conversations and people doing background, you know, to find the next guest or, or something like that. And so these lightweight teams, and I think that's one of the really great parts about DAOs is like they can be so agile because they're not beholden to like, oh, well, we got to go talk to this manager or we got to go get an okay from like this person. You know, we can go out and make those decisions very quickly, pull together these functional teams and then just go. So like, how do you create, you know, channels that aren't, you know, overwhelming and and maybe it's just as simple as having a channel and having, you know, space in Notion for documentation. But that's a journey that we're still we're still on ourselves and trying to figure out what's best fit for us. But I think the answer probably lies somewhere a little bit different depending upon the needs of your community. Yeah, it's fascinating because I'm in marketing and I run a media company. You know, we're in the business of actually communication. That's probably the best way to say it, right? We literally help train the world on all things social marketing and now web three 
to a lesser extent, but having all these different communication channels, like traditionally in web two, I've got the email list I can send. We've got various social channels and we know they're not always going to see it, but you know, we've also got YouTube, right? And obviously they can hit the bell on YouTube to make sure they don't miss any of our YouTube videos. You've got live video, you've got podcast. I mean, you've got all these distribution channels. And uh, the challenge in our world is that these distribution channels are busy but they do deliver, generally speaking. Like the email will show up in the inbox if they look at it, or the text message. We don't do text, but if a lot of people do, it'll show up on the phone as long as it doesn't get like put into spam or whatever, right? But this challenge is a legit challenge in the world of Web3 because the communication stack has not been developed. We're using old-fashioned Web2 tools. Like Discord was not designed for Web3. It was designed for gaming, right? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 my hope, and I'm sure your hope, is somebody out there is developing a token gated solution. Like I know some people are using Telegram because you know it's it's got delivery notifications and stuff, but it's a legit challenge, isn't it, for community communication? Don't you agree? Yeah, I totally would agree with that. I think, and that's the part. Like I think we've probably asked this question in. So we hold like a weekly meeting, which we're now coming up on week 37 of that. So. Probably, I would say about 60 or 70% of those meetings at some point were like, man, Discord just isn't the best tool. So it's a regular conversation that we have in our community. And unfortunately, I don't know that we have a better answer yet. But I think like what we've tried to do, I mean, across most of the work is generally try to make things as simple as possible. The more complexity there is in terms of people to be able to work together, coordinate, the more friction exists. And the more people check out, it's just that simple. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned like just use the word knowledge management or CRMs or whatever, like, you know, traditional web two world, we've got WordPress probably is the best example as a place where you can, you mentioned Notion for people that don't know what Notion is. Does that seem to be what people are using to have like a general database of all the knowledge? And if so, talk about that a little bit, because I know some of my friends and one of my masterminds love Notion. I've never used it. Yeah, so it took me a little while to warm up to Notion, um, but I, I do like it quite a bit. We've, and again, to that point, like we've gone through a few iterations of, of exactly what that looks like. So at the moment, Notion is a product that has like word processing capabilities, but it also has some other integrations. Like you can pull in things like from Google Drive, you can embed different types of like charts, spreadsheets, even stuff from the web, like you can pull in video content. And generally like it looks pretty good. It looks a little cleaner than like a Microsoft document or a Google document. So it presents like a really nice sort of like, and it's a block, it's like a block design. So it makes it pretty programmable. So it makes for really nice like forward facing documents, which is where we put our, our white paper. We also have some other forward facing documents there, like our weekly agenda minutes and that kind of stuff lives there. But we also do use Google Drive behind the scenes. So like we're, we're using that to an extent. And that's where I think we have kind of more of our content organized at the moment. But I think, you know, like practice what you preach, like that's one of our big challenges. We got to get that under control and getting things together in places like, especially as we move towards more like decentralization, like having things more accessible is really, really important. Are you familiar with mirror.xyz? Have you, have you looked into that platform yet? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like a decentralized WordPress, right? Where you, you can use a token essentially to grant access to content. You have any thoughts on that? I like Mirror. It also, I think what's really cool is for content creators is like you can also do like split stream uh, payments too. So if you want to charge for your, um, let's, let's say your blog post, you can create it as an NFT and split the sales up on a certain percentage basis if you want to. I, I published a couple blog posts on Mirror I always want to start writing more. I never have enough time to do it. But I do like Mirror quite a bit as like a forward-facing product that, like I think one of the things like I've recently become kind of interested in is like we're producing a lot of content. Like we have a lot of people in our community who are now writing about Web3 and education. They've gone from, you know, just sort of just getting started, just learning a little bit about it. And now they're actually writing their own content. I think it'd be really cool to see, you know, an Ed3DAO like Mirror account or an N3DAO substack where we start to like really bring to bear like our expertise in the field and, and start to produce more content in that way. What I love about this conversation is it's been really practical. And I think a lot of people are asking these kinds of questions about any Web3 project, right? I mean, like the benefits of Web2 is we have existing tools and communication models that make sense and structure models that make sense. And DAOs kind of are attempting to, from an organizational structure, change the way we think of organizations by having like a more decentralized and less hierarchical structure. But they still need the very same tools, it seems, or some alternative tools to be able to accomplish the very same things. And what I love about your background and everything that you're doing is you, you've really helped articulate today a lot of the things that a lot of people are going to need to grapple with if they want to start a DAO. You have essentially done the grunt work for so many people. Mike, if people want to check out your DAO, where do you send them? And if they want to connect with you, do you have a preferred social platform, perhaps Twitter, maybe something else? Because I'm sure some people are going to want to reach out to you. Yeah, I love hearing from folks and, and their questions. Like, I just love the different perspectives that people can bring, especially to our community. So joining our community, we have a couple of places you can check out at 3 dowcom is our website where we host all of our events, pages. We have information about our upcoming unconference, which is in November. We have like a dynamite lineup set up. So this is a virtual conference in a metaverse space where we're really focusing on Web3 and education and everything in between. So we're super excited for that. People can learn about it there. And then we also have a Twitter account too. We're at Ed3DAO. And there we also have links. Uh, in both cases, we have links directly into our Discord community where people can kind of jump in and see what's going on. And uh, I'm there every day, checking in on people, seeing what kind of feedback people have and answering questions and you know, just helping to facilitate you know, growth of people on their learning journeys. So yeah, those are places you can check out the DAO and on Twitter. You can follow me at EdTech. That's uh, E-D-T-E-C-H, Peck. So it's uh, EdTech and then my last name. I thought it was clever like seven years ago when I created it. I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. Mike Peck, also known as EdTech Peck. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts with us. We're really, really way better because of it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate it. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C44. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. 
The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.